It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Well, hello. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, where other than the norm is the norm. With your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. That's a new one. Why, thank you. I worked on it all uh, yeah. week. You came up with, is, is, yes. is this part of our fresh start? This is our fresh start. I figured, you know, put a little little tagline in there. Bam! <laughs> I know. I thought it was pretty good. Other uh, norm is the norm, because it pretty much is true. It fits us. So there you go. Nice. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Hi, Chucky G. It's going. It's going good. Man. How are you? Oh, man. Life is woo all over the place. I I'm telling you. No, you're coming to visit me. I'm so excited. <laughs> We're going to yes. do a show. We're going to do a show together in the same room, in the same, well, first of all, in the same state, in the same mm-hmm. zip code, in the mm-hmm. same building, in the same mm-hmm. room. I'm God so help Oregon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And it's going to be from a haunted location. Chucky G is coming to town. Woo! That's right. Uh-huh. God forbid they're going to let me in that state. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's too late now. I got the plane ticket. So there I you know. Go. I'm picking you up at the airport. You're on my calendar. Yeah. It, can't, it cannot be erased. It, can- <laughs> it can't be erased. I know. No. And then and all these people, they're like, oh, Chucky G's coming. I want to meet him. I felt like such a celebrity. I'm like, it's so humbling that people actually want to give a poop about me. You know what I mean? It's kind of nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. so what else is uh, what's happening in your world? Red carpet for Chucky. Oh yes, they are. Um. Well, what's as you on? know, I I got some new boots. Showed them to Cheryl. They're cute. You got bored. Yes, I know. People, you ought to see the link. It's like nine miles long, and they were chatting about boots right before we got on the air. It was very exciting. I was so excited standing. Yeah, in the mm-hmm. boots. I like some boots. Let's see <laughs> what else is new. Mm-hmm. Have um. William's class at the museum this weekend oh, coming up. Cool. Attended nice. a great class last Friday at yeah. the Klondike with Oregon Paranormal. Our next week's guest, Katie Montana, was one Sweet. of the hosts. Uh, your buddy Jay Verberg and Casey. Uh, I'm hoping I get to meet. I'm hoping I get to meet Jay when I'm out there. I'm really hoping that. Yeah, happen. he's pretty busy right now. I um, know, but we'll see. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to see him before then. Um, because I saw him last Friday, and he's going to be at the um, Port Gamble Goals Conference uh, the last weekend in October that's not Halloween, so the weekend before Halloween. But we're going to be doing ghost tours at the museum and raising money for the museum, so I don't get to go to the Port Gamble Ghost Conference this year. Bummer. I know. It's fun. The whole town of Port Gamble is haunted, so it's a lot of fun. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, it's just exciting. We have an interesting guest for this evening. Um, I think his, th- his name is Rob Newitt. He's from the Terra UFO Network in Australia. 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 Two Australia. in a row. I know. We're, we're going to talk about more extraterrestrial. Extra- I, I can't even say it. I, I, was, I was drunk there for a minute. Extraterrestrials. There you go. It's a hard thing to say. ETs. It That's is. easier to say. It ETs. Is. Go. Phone home. Phone home. There you go. So, yes, we're going to talk to him about everything uh, under the sun as far as, um, you know, extraterrestrials and the universe. And we'll just see what, you know, we're just going to pick his brain. That's what we I'm just, thinking. you know, we never really know where these conversations are going to go. But no. wherever, wherever we go, we always get there. Yes. Yes. It's, a, it's an interesting ride every week. Don't, wouldn't you say? I'd, yes. I'd, 
I think it's yes. Wherever you go, there you are. Oh, I like that. Wherever you go, there. You've never heard that before. No, I heard it. No, I just heard it now, though. It's very nice. Kind of means you can't run away from your problems, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I know that's not, that's true. You cannot run away. Trust me, people, you cannot run away from your problems. You yep. must face them head on with a positive attitude. Oh, by the way, I have a speaking engagement this Monday at the yes. North Aurora Public Library in Illinois. I'm glad you brought filling. that up. It's a fill-in, it's a fill-in, it's a fill-in. So the lady sent me a thing. She said, well, you know, we have 30 people booked already, but it's still going. So maybe 40, maybe, I think we might actually hit 50 if it keeps going this way. She goes, but the room only holds 50. So they'll have to either, I'm assuming they either have to stop it at 50 or they'll have to move me out of the meeting room. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. Yeah, well, especially this time of year, people really like to do the kind of spooky ghosty things. We do really well with our Halloween or our um, museum ghost tours that we do in our October. Um, ours, they're on the 24th, I think, and they're booking up fast, too. When I looked Friday, I haven't seen the list since Friday, but we were probably about 70% full already. Wow. So, yeah, we're booking up fast, too. People like this stuff. I know. Well, it's kind of funny because, I mean, I love Halloween. Don't get me wrong, all the spooky, spooky stuff. But, you know, I mean, it's something I've, I, have, I have a very uh, large respect for as far as the field and my passion. So, um, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's only an hour. So, you know, it's going to be like whoosh, whoosh, done. You know what I mean? It's going to go yep. so fast. I have to I'll have to curtail myself because I could go on yes. one particular thing for like an hour and a half. So yes. you just have to it's like quick, 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 play some EVPs. Boom. We're done. You know yep. what I mean? But I know. It's my sister-in-law's coming out too with with my brother. They that would be Barbie booked. G. Yeah, they actually booked. I'm like, why did you guys do? You didn't have to. You could talk to me whenever you want. They're like, no, we want to see you in action. I'm like, okay. They're so being go. supportive. That's wonderful. I know it's it's awesome. I think yeah. it's really cool. I, I, I go because I was teasing her. I go, oh great, you'll be in the back. I go, you're going to be in the audience, like putting pressure on me. She goes, well, he, he, Tom says he's going to sit in the front row. <laughs> oh, yeah, and probably he'll do things like make faces at you and stick yeah. his finger up his nose and you know yeah. try and try and really throw right. you off your game right that'll be wonderful that'll mm-hmm. just work so wonderful mm-hmm. for the talk <laughs> oh i know what else next week what i'm going to leave this show and oh. head on over to anarchy radio and be on anarchy radio after the show next Scared week me. It's a, it's yeah, Anarch no, Anarchy right. Radio in Portland. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I, I, I'll just do it from home. I mean, but yeah, I'm, I think it's at 9:30 p.m. Pacific that I'll be on their show. So I'll finish Whoa. up here, have a little time to chill, and then I, they, they wanted a spooky guest, and so they got me. <laughs> You're the spooky guest. Yeah, it's cool when you get to be a guest on another show. It's, it's interesting. It's a different. Mm-hmm flip of the coin on that you know because you gotta i have to rein myself in because you know i just want to go crazy and everything but yeah it was it's it's cool so good for you man i'm glad you'll do great man you'll just i know and i just did an an interview for a a network um oh my gosh what is it called now i'm never going to remember isn't that embarrassing and i just i just did it too uh, it was one that I hadn't heard, but it's like a wellness and health and wellness and spiritual yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. And they interviewed me for it, and it'll be on that. Uh, and if I could find it, which I can't. That's okay. In the meantime, I would I'll tell do this. you. Oh, look what yeah. came Oh, it came already? Look I at that. that. Yeah. Did you Soup read it? Did soul. you find mine? I found yours. I started reading yours. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff in here. I'm going to start yeah. I got I this, and I got... Like yeah, I got this one. I got Jane Harris's too at the same time because I told her I wanted to read it because then I could actually do like a write-up on maybe on the book for the magazine. Yeah. You know, that'd be good for an article. So, uh, yeah, I just got uh, that one too. So, yes, I have lots to read, lots to do. No time and lots to do. 
so you, much to do in so little time. I didn't. All right. Um, should we just, can we just, should I just roll on with whatever or should we wait till you find it? Just keep rolling. I got the, I got the rolling of the fingers, folks. Well, Cheryl, you know what time it is. When the world gets weird and things don't make any sense, it's news of the strange and the odd. Okay, well, you, that's great. It's time for news of the strange and the odd. And boy, I got some, I got a really, all right, I'm going to start with this wacky one, okay? Because this one was like, I read it and I said, say what? I, I actually did that by myself. I said, say what? But um, it's a driver and passenger survive a falling cow. That would be correct, a falling cow. Uh, this came from the local.fr, www.thelocal.fr. Okay, so a French driver said it was a miracle he wasn't killed after being given the shock of his life when a 500-kilogram cow fell from the sky and landed on the bonnet of his car. The driver was traveling down to Department Road 900 to take his steps on the school near the town of Perthias, on the border with Spain in the mountains. As he drove along, he was brought to an abrupt stop when the cow crashed, landing on his car. The cow had been walking along the cliff above the road and lost its balance. The animal Aww. fell to the road below just as the car was passing, with the bonnet taking most of the impact, although one of the cow's horns did pierce the windshield. The cow did not survive, I'm sorry, the impact, but luckily the driver and his stepson, who was in the passenger seat, escaped unhurt. We were more scared than hurt, the driver said. The car is dead, but with all miracles. I was very affected by the death of the animal of course you know with the best will in the world i couldn't avoid it he you know he tried but even if he would have avoided the cow i mean it, it well fell. i mean okay uh, so you watch in front of you and beside you and behind you but you yeah. don't really usually have to look up no so i, I don't look for like falling animals or planes or no you they know, need you, to put a little sign there now that says watch for falling cows i know yeah that would be that would be a nice little sign on the side of the road but it is kind of mm -hmm. sad i mean no offense you know it's we very don't sad um, but at the same time, sad, but extremely weird. Okay. So that's why it fits what we're talking about. Okay. Next one up. <gasps> Guess what? This is October. October is zombie preparation month. That would be Cheryl, correct. it's zombie Cheryl. month. Get ready. Okay. WashingtonTimes.com by Jesse Karsmar. Kansas governor, governor Sam Brownback signed the peculiar, peculiar, uh, Peculiar, there we go. Proclamation is a fun way to tackle natural disasters. What better way to prepare for a possibility of a natural disaster than to pretend you 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 are and your family are getting ready for a zombie apocalypse, or at least that's the idea behind the yes, bizarre so new go concept on. being put forward by authorities in Kansas. If you're prepared for zombies, you're prepared for anything, Brownback said. Okay, although an actual zombie apocalypse will never happen. <clears throat> That's what they say, I know. Mm -hmm. yeah, Cheryl's rolling her eyes. The preparation for such an event is the same as for any disaster. Make a disaster kit, have a plan, and practice it. When asked what he would do in the event of a zombie outbreak, the governor has surprisingly come up with a plan that wouldn't have looked out of place in an episode of The Walking Dead. My son and I talked about this. He said, it would be best to go to my dad's farm and get a combine. <laughs> then you could just move thoroughly through. Hopefully, you've got enough fuel. Hopefully, they won't be needing this anytime soon for a real zombie apocalypse. So basically, I think they're saying just what? Right on the combine and just keep driving along through all the zombies? Is that what they're saying? You're going to run out I of fuel, don't so. you think? Come Eventually. on. I saw, that, I saw that first episode where he got into that tank. 
I've you know, never and, seen uh, Walking Dead. Yeah, he got into the tank, and the guy's like, hey, what are you doing in the tank? It's it's not going to go anywhere. So he's, now he's trapped in the tank with all the zombies around him. It wasn't the smartest thing to do. So, um, yeah, I I don't I don't know what I would do. What would you do? All right, so zombies attack. What would you do, Karen? Come on, what would you do? I would wake up from my dream and <laughs> realize that I was perfectly safe. Oh, if it was real, I meant. Come on. Oh, yeah. well, sir. Um, what would I do if there was a, a zombie apocalypse? Well, yes. here's what I always here's what I always say. If uh, the world is coming to an end, if there is an apocalypse, I'm going to run to Ground Zero and get killed because I just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> You're just gonna dive in there like a. I, I'm like done. A hey, there you go. Yeah, you Cheryl, know, I'm we- done. What would you do, Cheryl? Would you have a plan? Uh, yeah, of course. Yes. Well, well, what's your plan? What's well, your plan? First, Tell me. First, I would warn everybody, my family and friends, and, and okay. I'd post all over social media so everyone could could get ready. And then, okay. and then I would get make sure all my weapons were, at, you know, at the ready. And then I would fortify my location and make sure that I'm all socked up. Nice, nice. Well, was she thinking, has a real plan. Mine is I just suicide, like a bunker, essentially. Like, you know, the old, like, the old bomb bunkers underneath the ground and just, you know, get your supplies and some You weapons. know what? We have a panic room. We could just hide in there and the zombies would never find us. There you go. There you go. All right, the last one. This one's kind of weird. Florida school principal hypnotized 70-plus students. Three of them die. And that is correct. No, what? What? Now start over. I missed it. All I'm right. sorry. Florida school principal hypnotized 70 plus students. Three of them died. Yes, this week it was reported that the Sarasota County School Board was paying out $200,000 to three separate families because their children had died after being hypnotized by Northport High School Principal George Kennedy. The settlement was the result of a lawsuit that was filed by the families of the deceased children. Two of the students killed themselves just after their hypnotism, and one died in the car accident after suspicious circumstances. All the deaths occurred within the year of 2011. This is why I was back. Okay, after the deaths occurred, an investigation into George Kennedy's hypnotizing sessions uncovered that he regularly hypnotized students, putting over 70 of them in a highly suggestive state. He claims that he hypnotized the students most likely to help them overcome test anxiety and improve athletic performance. During the investigation, they also found that he admittedly to, admitted to hypnotizing one of the students on the same day that he, was, that he actually committed suicide. In June of 2012, he pleaded no contest to practicing therapeutic hypnotizing or hypnotism without a license and was sentenced to a year of probation. He has since resigned and has not been seen or heard from since. Well, not only that, but don't you need parental permission to do stuff uh, like that? Yeah, that's like really creepy. I mean, you know, you, you, of all the things you think of when you send your kid to school, okay, we got enough to, you know, the, the parents have to worry about. I don't have kids in school anymore but there's so many things you have to worry about shootings and all sorts of weird stuff okay this one would probably not have been on the list of most parents of oh gee i'm gonna worry about my kids gonna go to school and get hypnotized by their their principal or their, their teacher or something i just think that's now i don't know how they can connect the deaths per se to well yeah i i i would think more it wasn't necessarily connecting the deaths as much mm-hmm. as the fact that he just did it without yeah. a license right um which is really irresponsible because here's the thing you hypnosis can't make you do something that you aren't willing to do that's what i was told that's what i was yeah told. i i don't really understand the whole 
I mean, you know, people use it for quit smoking and stuff like that. I've, I don't really understand the whole concept of how it works. But yeah, that's how I was told that they can't really make you do anything you wouldn't want to do. So That is true. Um, so maybe these, I don't know, maybe the thoughts were already in their heads. And because of him doing this, it just let the inhibition kind of run wild or be more open. Well, unless he did some kind of regression hypnotherapy and they remembered traumatic events or, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's a weird one. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So, um, but yeah, that's my that's my that's my news for this week. I just you know from fallen cows to hypnotizing students, and you know this world we live in is just really weird. Okay, I mean you it know, really is. Yeah. Every, every time I look to get like new articles for doing this, I mean you know yes, yeah, some of them are humorous, um, but some are just totally just whack. off the wall. I know, just way off the wall. I mean, you know, you just you think that you that people can't get weirder, but trust me, they can get really weird. So, um, I don't know. Are, weird. Are you going to be ready for this dude to this dude? I just call him a dude. I'm so our sorry. gentleman, our gentleman our, caller, our gentleman caller, our guest. Are you ready to uh, talk with the guest and ask him guesty questions? Well, as you know, I'm never ready, but I always seem to do okay. Yeah, you do. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm a, I have a I have a naturally curious nature, I guess. Um, I will. You know, I mean, I will do my best to. Uh, to well, remember, I got up really, really early this morning. I don't know why, but it's like every week that we have a show, I have something disturb my sleep. Because remember, last week Monkey was sick and kept me up all night, mm-hmm. and so by the time the show came around, I was kind of. Eww. So this time, uh, yeah, yeah, this time I got up at four because something went bump in the night in my house, and Jim was at work, and I got up and I looked in every single room and every single closet, and there was nothing. So. So what are you saying? I'm gonna to try to. I'm gonna to have to run the show tonight or something. Is what you're saying? That's what I always say. But then I always wind up. I rally. You know. <laughs> yes, you do. You always go check. I hope you have a lot of questions because I'm really tired. And as soon as we start talking, it's like bam. Karen came alive. That's okay. That's good. I like it because well, I can sit back I'm when listen to you. I know. I'm naturally just, curious. So I like to. I like to learn about people. Oh, I'm adorable. Yeah, you I sure like are. to learn about people. You that was adorable, a sarcastic. Yes. Um, I know what it was, so, but I'm telling you, you are adorable, and that wasn't sarcastic. So thank there. you. So I, I had a bitter disappointment this weekend. Bitterly Why? disappointed. Why? Well, you see, okay, it really wasn't that bad, but it's just this thing. So Jim and I have been driving across the mountains a lot because we go see Tanner at school, or this weekend we went to a football game over there, and then we went up to visit somebody I hadn't seen in 30 years. Yeah. Um, and so, but we drive across the mountains. Well, so there are things that I like to see when I drive across the mountains. Like, um, I love to see the wind turbines and I love to see wild horses and, and, you know, stuff like that. But I just really, really want to see a mountain goat and I have yet to see one. And every time we go across the mountains, I keep my eyes open because I'm sure on the tallest rock, there's going to be a mountain goat standing there proudly. No. No, no. The it's just goats. disappointing. I want to see a mountain goat. On a mountain, there, not what, in a zoo, what, what, on a mountain. Why are they like rare or something? Or is no, there lots of- I just have never seen one. Jim says they tend to be more in the backcountry. He says over on in like the Olympic mountains on the Kitsap Peninsula or on the Olympic Peninsula, I mean, that the mountain goats are so territorial and aggressive that they sometimes kill hikers by butting them off of uh, uh, trails that are with drop offs. Are you kidding me? So I, I amended my I want to see a mountain goat to, at any cost to I want to see a mountain goat from the safety well, of my car. Yeah, as I say, you better watch out for your manifesting. It might, one might fall off a mountain and land on your car. <laughs> I the, know. And you'll see the mountain goat the way you don't want to see the mountain goat. <laughs> when a butt up, butt, head butt the other one and 
fly right off the side of the mountain. I don't know. I just want to see a mountain goat. I'm not sure why I do. Well, do, do, do they look different or do they just look like a goat? I mean, do they they're, look they're like... They're mountain goats. Well, I don't know. What do you mean by... Uh, well, they don't look they're like... mountain goats. goats. They don't what, look like they, pygmy, pygmy goats or farm goats. They, they have, have like the horns and yeah, they're mountain goats. <laughs> say the way you said they're mountain goats. Well, they wear like a flannel and they have like a... Like it looks yes. like little lumberjacks. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do. They they <laughs> look like the... They look like Sherpas at... Um, Sherpas go, on... Folks. On um, what's the mountain? Mount Everest. Yes, yeah, that's what they look like. The little flannel shirts. And I here's a picture of a mountain goat. There you go. Where a mountain goat? There you go. And mm. but what I really want to see is I want to see one perched majestically on a rock, staring off into the horizon. <laughs> that's what you want to see. You get yeah. your camera, take a picture, and you go. The no, I don't even need to take a picture of it. I just want to see it. You just want to have a memory of the majestic mountain. Yeah. Goat. What happens yes. if you go, well, why, why do you say the safety? Oh, I know why you say safety to your car because you don't want it to butt you, headbutt you. Off the edge of the, see, okay, the thing with mountain goats is that. Yeah, wouldn't that right. Wait, wait, wouldn't that suck? You're like, oh, look at. Oh, it's a mountain, mountain goat. <laughs> <laughs> a mountain. That would suck. That would really suck. Yeah, take that would really be, that would, that's not what I want to see. Well, <laughs> so part yeah. of the, I think my fascination is they're really good climbers and they climb up like. These little teeny rocks, like you just, they get to places that you wouldn't imagine that they could get to um, because they're goats and they have little hoofy feet and stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have little hoofy feet. I'm describing it so scientifically. <laughs> because they have the little hoofy feet, they get on the little tiny rocks and they stare at you majestically. Did you look at the pictures of the mountain no, goats? Well, I didn't look at the picture. I'm busy talking to you. I can't. You like, could I can't click on the link. There. I'm clicking on the link to look at the mountain goats. Aren't goat they folks. majestic? Oh, oh my lord! They're all white and stick. Man, they look like polar bears with horns. Yes. So there are several things that I'm obsessed with. I'm Those obsessed with. Um, yeah, I'm obsessed with mountain goats. Okay. I am obsessed with wind turbines. Oh. They are magnificent beasts. And this is a weird one. I am obsessed with runaway truck ramps. I love runaway truck ramps. I get really excited when I see one. What? With what? Runaway truck ramps. When you drive through the mountains, okay? Yeah, okay. There are, and it's steep. They have, yes. and you're going downhill. They have these oh, yeah, things that things go like, on the runaway truck yeah, ramps, yeah. and they're filled with gravel. What, and why, are you, I, why are you obsessed with them? I don't know. Uh, kind of because actually part of it is because I actually want to veer the car off and go up the truck ramp. <laughs> Tell Jim to do that. Let's try one of these ramps, Jim. Come on. We would be, be stuck. I, but I would, I yes. would never actually do it. But there's just something about them. I don't know. I just, they excite me. That is, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I know. Well, you don't, so you, you don't think the wind turbines are strange, just the runaway truck lamps. Well, I can understand the wind turbines are kind of cool, majestic looking, spinning in They're the air. They're magnificent beasts, yes. Yep. Runaway truck, that's a little, that, that confused me a little bit. I have to be honest with you. I don't really know if I have well, any obsessions like that. I first saw my first runaway trunk, truck ramp when I was like 22 years old, and we were in the Grand Tetons, and we were dropping down into Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And yeah, they have them because it's so steep on that on the Grand Tetons coming out of the Tetons. It's so steep that they have them regularly. But what's really funny is that there's this one on White Pass, which we drive across a lot to get to Eastern Washington because it's by our, our house. Um, they have one for the whole pass. And so you start seeing like, Runaway truck ramp, four miles. Runaway truck ramp. Well, if I have a truck that's running away, I'm not going to wait 
And, you know, yeah. am I going to live four miles from yeah. a truck ramp? I hope we can make it four miles. We'll have to get to that oh, runaway oh truck ramp. God, I don't have any brakes and I'm barreling <laughs> down this windy mountain, but. Well, what else miles. would you do? What else would you do if you couldn't do it? You'd go off the side of the cliff. I guess I think oh, we should have I'm, more. I'm, I'm glad I'm not a truck driver now because that just freaks me out thinking about it. Big old semi, you're going like a bazillion miles an hour downhill. And you can't stop. That's crazy. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Nope. I can barely drive my car, let alone a truck. So, no, I don't have any crazy obsessions like that. It's very interesting that you have the, those obsessions. I'm, I, thought, uh, I, I thought first you were going to say, I remember when I, was, when I was four years old and I, first, I saw my first runaway truck ramp. I was going to say, how would you even known it was a runaway no, truck No, I was. I mean, but the first time I was conscious of when was in the Tetons. So. Tetons? I like when you say that. And Tetons. Tetons. Grand Tetons coming into Jackson. Oh, okay. Grand Tetons are mountains um, between Wyoming and Montana. See, I learned so much stuff from you. You're like an encyclopedia. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the Grand Tetons. I never heard that. Brilliant. That's because it's in the West. (laughs) (laughs) Did you say I'm brilliant? Yes, I'm brilliant. I think they have them in the Rockies too. I think I saw them in the Rockies on that same trip. Like Yo, Paulo, that kind of Rocky or the Rocky Mountains? You mean? Yeah, Yo, Adrian. Yo, Adrian. Yo, Nick. Uh, Cut me. The Rocky Mountains. I okay. really like. I really like the mountains, and I like driving through the mountains when they're not icy and snowy. I love mountains. I guess I'll see the mountains pretty soon, won't I? Yeah, because Wellington is the mountains. Mm-hmm. I'll be seeing yes. the mountains soon. I know you'll be able to see them if it's not cloudy. You'll be able to see some of them out your plane window as you're coming in. You should be able to see Mount Adams and Mount Hood. Well, I won't be on the window side. I'll be on the aisle side. I'm taking the aisle side. Uh, I'm not getting near that window. You're going to see the ocean. Have you been to the ocean before? Um, yeah, when I was a kid, Florida. Seen that uh-huh. ocean. Well, I, this I is the Pacific Ocean. I've oh, never seen that one before. This is the Pacific Ocean. Is the Pacific Ocean or Pacific? Specific, it's the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a little kid, I thought it was the Pacific Ocean. Well, what, what's the ocean in Florida? Is that the Atlantic Ocean? That's the yeah, Atlantic Ocean. I, yeah, or so the Gulf it, of Mexico. They don't look different. They're still just bodies of water, right? I mean, pretty much. Right? I think our ocean is better. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll be the judge of that when I come. Just I guess you in. will. Mm-hmm. All right, so should we go to break? Sure, we go to break so we can get ready for Mr. Rob Newitz. All right, so stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back in just a minute. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for fast. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. 
Hello, this is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on MixLR. We are back with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, the lovely Chucky G. The and lovely also, and talented the lovely Chucky and, G. Oh, well, thank you. Through and talented. Yeah, I really I like that. I did. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, our wonderful guest chucking down some drink there and eating some food, Mr. Rob Newitt. Hi, Rob. How you doing? Oh, great. Thanks, guys. How are you? I'm doing great. I should say cheers, mate. I like to say that because I love Australian <laughs> accents anyway. So cheers, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll have to um, you'll have to excuse my Australian slang and um, and vernacular. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. We actually had somebody from Australia last week too. Mm-hmm. So so we're ready. Yes, yeah, so we will veer we will veer away from asking silly questions about kangaroos and such. Well, we'll try. Well, no, you're I, you're That's we, quite, I'm quite happy to. Yeah, do. We, we all know. I have, to, I have to tell you, our, we had somebody a couple years ago from Australia, and he told me that kangaroos there are like deer here; that they're just everywhere. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, look, they're a pest. I'm not aiming in a bad way, and I'm probably going to try to say that. But look, you know, because of agriculture and, that, and, and the production of the land, there's that much food about for them. And, and look, there are plenty of them. There are some species that are threatened because there are a lot of different species of kangaroo, you see. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so, but there are some that are, in the, that, are, that are not so thick anymore. And there are some you know, that are as thick as thieves. <laughs> uh, well, we have deer the same way here. We had eight deer in our backyard the other day, eight of them. So, yep. yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Chuck, okay, now you can get on with the, the interview. Can we get on with the... Right, We're done okay. with the obligator, obligatory with tears and kangaroo, kangaroo conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh, we've got we've got Douglas watching over us, so yeah. we're right. It's and we have good. And then we have right. Rob's cat Douglas, who is going to be sixteen years old. He's in the background. He, he, at this yeah. point, he's not really looking at us. He's not interested at the moment. But I who, know, hey, Douglas, after a Douglas while, maybe he'll turn around. Us. No, Douglas. Yeah. Could, yeah. If, he, if he turns Douglas around, I'll uh, If he turns around, I'll let you know. I'll let you see. He's pretty <laughs> little. Funny. Well, we'll right, cool. see it. We'll see it if it happens. Awesome. Uh, great. Okay, so I want to talk about the Terra UFO Network in Australia. Okay, or as we, we call it, do you say it is Tufan? Is that yeah. be correct? Would that be correct analogy for that? So like, okay. like so, Mufan. Um, Mufan, but only Tufan. Okay, yeah. so um, uh, so I read that, I mean, are you the the, the creator or the, the guy who started this all off with this? Uh, because I, that's what I read according to Facebook. And I such believe and that would be called the founder, Chuck. Well, thank you very much. CEO, <laughs> founder, whatever you want to call it, you know? The creator. That's okay. Creator's a good word, isn't it? Man, I'll tell you. Yeah. So anyways, um, so this is basically your baby. How's we put it that way? Is that right? Yeah, it is actually, Chuck, yeah. Um, okay. I, did, I, start, I started off actually for a number of reasons, and it was quite funny how it actually came about. You know, um, Things always come from the weirdest situation. You don't really mean it to be. So here's me, little old Rob Newitt. I'm sitting down here and... In, uh, in Hobart in Tassie, which um, is at the southern point of Australia. It's like we're, we're Australia's smallest state with its smallest population. Uh, unemployment's like a lot of places, pretty high. You know, I'm, on a, I'm on a disability pension. I've had quite a few accidents, so I'm pretty busted up in that respect. I'm not totally wasted, but, you know, so I've got plenty of time on my hands to do things that uh, I don't need things to occupy my mind. Now, I've always been interested in um, um, cosmology and the stars uh, in UFOs, and for me, in U- when it come to UFOs, for me, it was always more towards the mechanical side of UFOs. I was more interested always in um, the propulsion systems of, of of these craft. There's no doubt that they're there. You know, we've got evidence beyond beyond reason 
to mm. say that there are there are UFO craft out there. And when I say UFO, I mean UFO by the most definitive point. That is that it's an unidentified flying object. I'm not saying what it is at that point. I can't tell you what it is at that point because we don't have the evidence, mm -hmm. right? It all relies on evidence and, and the gathering of evidence to find out and, and to determine what that unidentified flying object is. And like, like most people tell you, like MUFON will tell you, like the American government will tell you, like most governments around the world, I'll tell you, about 95% of UFO um, um, sightings can be uh, verified away to be something else. So, you know, they are, and, that, and that's a fact. They're only, unide they're only unidentified until such time as they're identified. Mm -hmm. Some people right. don't like the outcome, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and look, let's face it, there are a lot of lies told about it that's been hushed up for a long time. The evidence is pretty plain, it's pretty clear um, that there are craft that um, we can't identify what they are. We can't say that they are extraterrestrial in, in their origin, and we can't say that they're man-made in their origin. But by gee, if they're man-made in their origin, then someone somewhere has been seriously uh, negligent in their duty towards humanity by not divulging this technology. Mm -hmm. You see, and for me, it's the tech—it's the technology. For me, I'm pretty much—I I believe I'm pretty much a humanitarian, and I think you've read some of my material and stuff. Uh, and, you know, um, so. It, what what this technology can do for the whole planet, for humanity, is something special. You know, it, it's a complete evolution and revolution uh, for mankind and, and the human species. And for a lot of people, it's it's the next step in their awakening, if you like. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that that technology has come from somewhere. And this is the, the these are the principal points we've got to look at amongst all of these things. Okay, this technology has come here from here, but where has it come from? And if it right. come from somewhere right. else, who created it? Like there's there's always a, a line at the end of the the paper trail, so to speak, or the technology trail, if you like. Here, so what we've got to do is is try and get back to the root cause of where everything began, and and look at a lot of different things in in the history of of um, ufology, if you like, or of ufology, right. In, in in respect to Tufon, how Tufon came apart, uh, mm -hmm. apart was, like I said, little old me sitting here in Tasmania, and I thought, well, maybe there's some people in Tassie that think the same as me. It's only a small place. You know, I could start this little group, and um, I know about MUFON and, and about them, and I've looked up, I've done my homework on the net, and I've researched all this kind of stuff, you know, and I thought, well, I'll make this little group in, and I'll, in Tassie, and I'll call it Tassie, the Tasmanian UFO Network. Right? And that's how Tufon came about. We started with Tufon. And after a little while, I, I started getting people joining this, wanting to join this little group. And it, it started to blossom a little bit out of what I expected it would be, you see. But unfortunately for me, the majority of people that wanted to be members of the group were all from all over the world. Uh, you know, like, I got people in Canada, I got people in England and, and Africa and South America, and there's people all over the place, all over Australia. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these people all over the place and they're all part of this Tasmanian UFO network and, like, none of them are going to be here in Tassie coming away on, with me on weekends to the beach to go sky-watching. So it, it kind of outgrew it, it, its name. And I thought, well, gee, I started with Tufon and I kind of like that, you know, and it's taken me being passionate Tasmanian as I am. 
I thought, well, I've got to work it in somehow. You know, how can I, how can I change it to make it fit everyone, mm-hmm. and still have that original name and have that little bit of essence of where I come from. You know, so I stuck with Tufon. I called it Terra. Terra meaning Earth. Right. Okay, so I become Tufon, the Terra UFO network. Now I've got uh, the main group, which is edging up to nearly six hundred members now. Uh, on Facebook, it wow. all started on Facebook. I mean, without Facebook, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be anything. I mean, this is this is the reality of it. We've got the um, information highway now, where people are all around the world, like guys like you, are who who are sitting in Tennessee at nine thirty at night, are talking to me. A guy in Tasmania at quarter to one in the afternoon, the, the next day, like tomorrow mm-hmm. for you. You know, so technology has grown um, beyond what we would have thought. Chuck, you would you'd know, uh, Karen, probably you and and. Uh, uh, you know, it's when we were kids growing up, we had Dick Tracy with, and you know, and and uh, Maxwell Smart with a shoe phone, and, and we kind of laughed about it. You know, and George, you know, oh, when will that come in? Will that come in before we die? You know, and that's what people say. Oh, well, will we see that before we die? Well, the reality of it is that's here now. But that came here somehow. It didn't just fall upon us. This technology just didn't fall upon us. Right. 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 Now, who invented it? I mean, who actually invented it? And where did they get that, that idea from? Like, things like optical fiber, right? Um, optical fiber has been a wonderful boon um, for, for communications around the world. It's probably one of the main reasons we're able to communicate the way we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an instance in a place we can talk about a bit later. We've got plenty of time in the, in the show. I'd like to talk about, about the Busegi Mountains in Romania. And that, that's an amazing place. I don't know, Chuck, whether you've heard about it or you're, you're aware of that place and what's gone on there and the relation to other places around the globe in relation to that place. Um, and, I mean, not many people have heard anything about that. It's like things, you, only, you only hear what mainstream media reports to you and it's only in instances like this do we ever get the chance or the opportunity to let people know of things that have actually occurred and that have occurred you know, it's in that was in the that was in the media in Romania. That was on the mainstream media in Romania, but it was not heard anywhere else around the world. What's the reasoning for that? You know, there, there's, there's got to be a reason for that, and there is. There's a reason. My, my father taught me, great wise man. There's a reason for everything, son. There's a reason right. for everything. You know, so in that respect, uh, Tufon came about because of the fact that too many people from around the world had the same thinking. Now, I got a great respect for anyone that researches UFOs and UFOlogy because they're of the awakening, you know, these people um, believe in something more than just what we've been told by mainstream schooling and media. They're they're looking outside the box and outside the square and they're saying, hey, maybe there is something out there and let's have a look and let's study it and and let's, yeah, but don't just let's kiss it off and say it doesn't exist. You know, and let's pretend that let, let's stop pretending that it doesn't exist. Because um, I had someone say to me here a while back, "How come all the photos you'll ever see about UFOs are all fuzzy and all cloudy? You know, and, and they're never in focus." And, and, and what I'm trying to say to people is, "So listen, this is the reality of it. The um, the number of UFO sightings has increased dramatically worldwide now, and this is because of what we call the smartphone." Mm-hmm. Most people now have got a phone that's got camera, at least camera capability, if not camera and video capability. Right. And a lot right. of people use those to capture this, the, these anomalies or this pheno- these phenomenon, right? But what they forget 
is that these these um, devices have what's called autofocus. Now, the autofocus, especially when you're holding it up against a cloud, for instance, when you're trying to when you're trying to focus on something very fine against a cloud, for instance, you you're not focusing it. The camera is trying to do it itself. So it's moving in and out all the time. The, the focusing on it, you've seen it on your own camera. Most people have noticed that. You hold your camera and you see it focusing in and out, in and out, trying to focus on that one object until it'll, it'll get a fine focus and stop. Well, imagine trying to focus against the UFO that you're seeing in the clouds, which is quite a distance away, and you're holding it and you're trying to focus on it. You know, it you're not, you're not going to get a clear shot. The best clear shots of UFOs I've ever seen, I believe, generally come from the old, uh, old pictures that were done on celluloid, that were done on Kodak film, or, or on the old Kodak film, right? Because those cameras generally were an autofocus, but it was, a st- it was like the old Kodak Instamatic, right? You used to have the uh, point-and-shoot ones, mm. or you'd have the 35mm where people would have their own, and they'd focus it in, and they'd get a clear shot. So pre-digital cameras are probably the better or the clearer shots or the more notable shots. And, and, they're, and they're hard, not that they're harder now, because with Photoshop, I mean, you get so many hoaxes, people putting hoaxes. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you get so many people putting hoaxes out now. Um, and, and I've got photos here of it where I posted one the other day and then posted the other picture behind it um, to show where people had photoshopped pictures of UFOs into, into pictures, you know. So you're always going to get hoaxes on the internet now and you can't always believe what you see. And, and that's, a, that's a problem. That's an issue. And that's a real issue. Because there are a real lot of people out there who have had real true life experiences, who have real true life evidence, and, and no, no one wants to believe them, you see. So they find themselves in this funny little group where you, you kind of cast aside and you're, you're a loony, if you like, because you believe, in, you believe in, you know, not little green men, but you believe in people from outer space. But the reality is, once again, it, the internet is such an amazing thing that it, it, the library that it is and the information that's available on the internet, if, if you spend the time to go and do your research and have a look around, um, you know, don't believe what I say, research what I say. That, and that's what I say to people. Don't believe what I'm saying to you. You go and look it up yourself and you'll find it yourself and you can read these things for yourself because there's just so much information out there in relation to extraterrestrials and UFO phenomenas, um, entities like ghosts, for instance, I grew up in a, this all started as I grew up, I grew up in a haunted house from the time I was born till I was 16, you know, um, and I, I call them entities, I don't call them ghosts, I don't, I don't say things like ghosts because um, I, it's just a funny term, to me a ghost is a, is a ghoulish term and I don't believe that they're ghouls, you know, uh, to me they're entities. Um, I have my own theories on on the light and what the light is, and 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 so if you guys want to ask me some questions now, I'm quite happy to answer any questions that you might have have of me. Look, two fun. Well, just to finish off with with the two fun thing for a start, I've now got uh, branches around the world on on Facebook, and, and they're slowly building, and it will take time, and it will take you know people are slowly waking up and becoming aware, and that's what I hope they would do. So we've got the main two fun branch, but we've got branches in Canada, USA, uh, the UK, and Europe. Uh, Southeast Asia, uh, South Central America, and uh, Africa as well. So uh, those branches are starting to build. There's 170 odd in the Canada, USA group. Uh, Europe, UK is starting to come online pretty good now. Uh, and it's like word of mouth once again. It's word of mouth thing. I'm not out there pushing it. Um, 
people, I had one guy, uh, a journalist, I, I won't mention any names, but a journalist from America uh, tell me his story, he was very happy, and he said to me, you know, you, you, you're one of the only um, serious or fair dinkum UFO people out there. And that's because, um, especially in these little groups, we don't allow any advertising and things like that. And and people say, oh, you've got to authorise the posts, you know. You you know, you've got control over it. Well, that's for a lot of reasons. It's because we don't want any anyone being violent or rude on there. We don't want any racist comments or any garbage or anything. We don't want any advertising on there. People don't want to see advertising on this that sort of group, you know. They want to be able to know they can go into that group and they're not going to see topics that are generally not related to the group. You might get one or two that will allow through just for fun's sake or just because we think it might have some, some bearing on, on something like that or something that's relevant to the group. But I've had a lot of comments from people saying, look, the group's really great because we don't get the garbage on it. You know, we don't get people, we don't get spammers on there. You know, you give people a fair chance and if they, if they, if they uh, disrespect that and, and don't pay attention to the rules, then, you know, you're out the door. You know, it, you've got to be fair, you've got to be fair dinkum, and you've got to be honest in what you're saying and in what you believe. And if you don't believe it, don't come into this group, you know, trying to have a go at people. Well, we have to approve people. We, we, we like to try and keep it that way. And uh, we like to think that the world's growing up and people can be civil to each other, you know, and, and, we, and we can be decent human beings to each other and, and we can be grown up and, and uh, we can handle the truth. That, that's, that's the bottom line now. Uh, in society now, with the communication the way it is, I mean, the evidence is just too blatantly clear. It's just, what can you say? What more can you say? Well, what do you, well, what do you think? What do you think the purpose, think the purpose of the government silence is on UFOs? Well, look, I can. Un it's a bit of a double-sided sword, you know. I, I, I believe I can see it. I, I can see it from the government's point of view in some respect. I'm not saying that's right. Don't get me wrong, but I can see it from their point of view. How can they? All of a sudden, uh, and this, and back in the in the fifties, late in, in the late forties, early fifties, which is probably when this generally started, if not earlier, and it, there's a sneaking suspicion that somewhere around the thirties, it might have even started happening around the thirties. There was some um, some information out there in relation to contact, you know, uh, before. But generally, the uptake in contact uh, from all the information I can glean, uh, like I say, it's only on the internet. And do you believe what you read? Well, you've got to try and believe some of it. You know, uh, and like I say, but if you do your research and, and you, you look at one topic four or five times and, and out of those four or five times, four or five times it's saying the same thing, then you've got to generally believe that it's pretty much true, you know. You, you like to tend to think there's um, still some belief in humanity then that people do tell the truth, you know. But, you know, in your country, guys, you, you know yourself, there's a lot of whistleblowers, a lot of people that are coming out now, um, they're getting to that age where... Um, uh, you know, th these people are starting to get old and, and, and they're starting to die off and, and their conscience is starting to weigh on them. Mm. And, and they want people to know what's, um, what's going on and, right. and, 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 and what the deal is. And now the, these guys have been sworn to secrecy through the, through, through the secrecy acts of whatever country they've been serving. I mean, I'm ex-military ex in my country, so I know about secrecy acts and things like that. So, you know, these guys are sworn to secrecy and they believe they're doing the right thing and, and they, in their own hearts, they believe they're doing the right thing, not only for themselves, but their family and their country. And you've got to admire that that's their belief and then that's what they're doing. Whether it's the right thing in the end or not is another issue because at the end of the day, uh, like I say, they're getting towards their deathbeds. The guy from um, Area 51, um, Boyd Bushman, was it? I think it was mm -hmm. Bushman. Boyd, Boyd Bushman, I think the guy's name was. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was one of the researchers there. He came out and he made quite a, a few videos and released quite a few pictures, you know. And um, you got to ask yourself, well, why are these guys doing it? Well, well, they're doing it for, I reckon they're doing it for a couple of reasons. One, they want to clear their conscience before they die. I honestly believe that. That's what they, you know, because of their old, they're that old believing, they want to go to heaven, they want to have a clear conscience when they go to heaven, type thing, da, 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 da. So, you know, they want to clear their conscience. But B, they've also come to understand that, that by releasing this information that they are doing humanity a service. Mm-hmm. So um, governments have held back, in all governments around the world, there's, there's not one single government that's had, um, you know, that's had any sort of contact and that has um, proof. Now, I'm sure that probably... I don't want to get trouble by naming governments in particular, and I'm not blaming anyone or anything, but I'm sure the Australian government, the American government, the British government, the Russian government, the Chinese government, and the German government at least, I'm sure all those governments, some of them have got some evidence of UFO uh, um, uh, being landing, either, either either they've got evidence, hard, hard evidence of it, like I say, like the physical evidence, or they've got photo, video evidence, or they've got contact evidence of it. Somewhere along the line, I certainly believe that. I mean, that's my belief, and I'm entitled to that. But I don't think I'm too far from the mark, if you know what I'm saying. Sure. Sure. I, 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 just, I just don't think, I mean, everyone, my dad, my dad's said opinions are like, are like backsides, everybody's got one. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, but they're entitled to it too, you know what I mean? That's right. So, hey, uh, Rob, hey, Rob, yep. we're having, we're having um, audio con- quality issues right now. And so what we need to do is we need to go to break um, and play a few commercials and see if we can get this fixed. Sure. Yeah, okay. And you call me back. All right. So stick around, guys. Uh, we're going to try and fix the echo that we've got going on. You're listening to MixLR and Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We'll be right back. So you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Hey, we're back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. We are talking with Mr. Rob Newitt from Tufan. And I have a question to start off with right away from Bob in chat. Uh, his question is, has there ever been a new, has there ever been any new evidence in the Frederick Valentich case? Has there any been any, any new information on this case? The Frederick Valentich case. I actually got that yes. marked down. I said I had a little list of things. I got Whoa, look at that. And what And what is that case? Because I have no clue. Uh, what? Frederick Valentich was a young guy. Uh, he lived in um, Victoria in, uh, in uh, New South Wales. Uh, sorry, in Victoria in, in Australia. 
and he was leaving uh, Moorabbin Aircraft, the flight aircraft, to uh, King Island to pick up a, um, uh, a shipment of crayfish, lobster, you would call them, right? And on the way, he went missing. Um, and the transcripts uh, from the tower, from the, the radio transcripts, were quite, are quite amazing. There has been a documentary made about this. A, a guy in Victoria made a documentary about this, and it's quite interesting to watch. As far as any new stuff has come to light, I'm not unaware of any new stuff, but there is that old evidence there uh, of the recordings uh, from the control tower, uh, from the uh, airfield control tower, right. um, and uh, from the radio operator at the time. Now, Fred Valentich reported seeing this bright, shiny object uh above his aircraft, buzzing his aircraft. Um, there was a lot of crackling, a lot of noise on the radio. Eventually the, the radio went dead. Um, they heard a lot of bad engine noise. Some, he, some, he said he was exper experiencing this uh, very bright, shiny craft. Uh, people thought he'd lost his way and that he may have been flying upside down. There's a lot of stories and a lot of um, theory and innuendo in relation to the Fred Valentich case. Uh, but, but I'm unaware of any new stuff. Um, however, I, I do believe that on that day or around that day, there were a number of other uh, reported UFO sightings in Australia at that time. Interesting. Well, yeah, it sounds like, you know, when you talk, you're in a triangle, you know, the the connection to UFOs and that. Well, I mean, I mean, there's there's connection to that, too. I mean, do you believe that or I mean? Well, um Look, Australia's a really big place. I mean, I'm, I'm on, a little, on a little island to the south of but the outback of Australia. Australia's a really big place, you yeah. know, uh, um, when, you, when you think about it for, for the country that we are. But a lot of our country is very, very inhos inhospitable. It's like desert country. It's, it's you know, mm -hmm. and it's only good for camels and guanas, you know. It's not much good for anything else. And, right. and, and bloody iron ore mining, you know. So um, there's, a, there's a lot of space out there that, Anything could be happening, and you just wouldn't know. You seriously wouldn't know. Right. But the amount of the amount of UFO sightings in Australia has increased. Now, once again, I attribute this to the fact that once again we've now all got these mobile phones and video cameras, and that, and, and mm -hmm. people are taking pictures and getting video of it. So people are getting hard evidence because a lot of times before people would see something, they you know they might see something for two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't do anything about it, and they weren't going to tell anyone because I think I think you're a loony. No one's going to believe you without the evidence. You know, it's mm -hmm. like going into a court of law without the evidence; it's just hearsay. Right. You know. So uh, uh, now people have got that ability to gain some evidence, and that's the difference now. That's why we're seeing an uptick and an increase in in, in reported sightings. You know, um, and. And, and that's starting to, I, I believe that's starting to bring that percentage down from about 95%, you know, to, to probably down, I, I reckon it's probably, in my opinion, it's getting closer down to about 90% now. We can say that, yes, 10% of these definitely mm -hmm. are unidentified flying objects and we cannot, we cannot say what they are. I mean, there, it, it's a really strange uh, anomaly and phenomenon when you, when you start looking into UFOs and things like that. And you think, we've got the Hubble Space Telescope, you know, and they're telling us you can look back millions of light years, you know, millions of light years and stuff like this. But you won't show us what's on the back of the moon. Mm -hmm. Now, why won't you do that? Oh, sorry, I, take me for a mug if you like, or, or a loser, but 
you can't tell me that NASA, the American government, the Russian, the Chinese, you can't tell me that they haven't got substantial amount of photographic and video evidence of the back of the moon in very clear definition, yet you won't show us that. Why won't you show us that? That's, that's the question. Why won't you show us that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Chad has a, Chad has a question too. And he yeah. wants to know what you think about, oh, the cat's turned all the way around now. I, Douglas. Douglas. There he is. Sorry, chat room. We're, we're watching the cat, Douglas. <laughs> anyway, what Chad, oh, hi, Douglas. Chad wants to know what you think about high strangeness surrounding UFO cases. About what? High strangeness, all the weird stuff that happens. In in uh, in respect to, I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff people will tell you what happens. Look, I went to a conference this year uh, in the Blue Mountains in uh, in Australia called Paracon, and I was uh, fortunate enough to meet Travis Walton. And um, I, I met Travis Walton, spoke with Travis, and look, I've never uh, met a um, a more genuine, more humble person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, just as a person, irrespective of his story. Before I even heard this man's story, I, like I, you knew who he was, but you can sit there and you look at people. Now, you generally, uh, the, the theory is from most psychologists that people um, will characterise someone within the first 10 seconds of seeing them, no matter whether they say anything or not. You generally characterise them, you know, whether they're a hippie or whether they're this or whether they're that. You know, you can, you, you've yeah. already made your mind up within 10 seconds about someone, whether you know it or not. That's, and and you, realize, you don't realise it yourself, but you do. And, and I sat there and looked at this man for quite a while, and I just got that feeling. Like I, I'm, I read cards and do stuff like that. I mean, you can ask me other questions if you like. Um, but th- this guy was just, to me, I was just getting that very genuine feeling from him, right? And he didn't want it. He didn't want any part of it. If you listen to the guy's story, he didn't want any part of it. The media wanted the story. He didn't want the story, you know. And he was forced to get on with that story just to get people off his back, you right. know what I mean? It's strange, isn't it, how the media works like that, you know? They hound and hound and hound people till they get a story when they're really, and, and they make stories when there's really no story there. But anyway, yes, watching his story was true. quite amazing, you know? Watching, listening to that guy's story was quite amazing, you know? It was really quite amazing. So, you know, there are real people out there that have those experiences and, and then you've got people that, that stuff everything up. So, mm-hmm. getting back to his, I suppose, getting back to his, what was his question, main question again, Karen, sorry, I suppose? Um, high strangeness, the things that people experience, like a lot of them will experience things like hauntings or other things after they've had UFO experiences where they didn't before. Um, look, hauntings is, you know, hauntings is, is a different thing again. Uh, and, and this is where, for me, it's, it's a bit of a cross-reference for me because my sister runs a paranormal group which has over 6,000 members worldwide, you know, and because, like I said, I grew up in a house which was haunted, you know. Uh, so, uh, and a lot of these things um, correlate to me. So when you say strangeness, to me it's not strange. Um, it, it all fits It all fits within it, within the, the picture of what I believe should be and how, and how it all fits together, you see. Mm-hmm. Um but in strangeness, look, people will have loss of memory. People will have loss of time uh, from abductions and things like that. I'm dealing, I've, I've dealt with a young lady here in, in Tasmania in particular that was abducted. Uh, I won't mention her name, but uh, she was having trouble. She couldn't work out what was happening. 
and I spoke with her on several occasions. In the end, I, I told her I believe she was abducted and why. And, 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 you know, I mean, if people have got questions about that, that's fine too. So in strangeness, um, some people will find an electric, electric feeling in the air, you know. There's a lot of, diff- a lot of people who experience different things. A lot, you know, um, some people don't experience anything. You know, there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that don't, uh, and that's mm-hmm. and that's the bottom line too, I suppose. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, you're aware, you know, you're aware, or you're not. I, and I don't know how to put that. You know, how, so how maybe put, are you saying that it kind of wakes them up, and they suddenly notice things that maybe were occurring before, but they didn't notice them before? Um, as far as experiences go. As far as people who have had experiences go, I believe that once they've had an experience, it changes their life fundamentally forever. Sure, I, I agree. It, it, it will change their life fundamentally forever and how they look upon life, <clears throat> you know. Um, I'll, I'll go back to my dad once again, great, great philosopher. He was, he was an amateur Aristotle, but there was nothing amateur about him, you know, if you know what I mean. And, and he said to me one day, he said, son, there's only one thing in the world that matters. Oh, only one thing. You know, I went off about half hour trying to find what that one thing was, and I couldn't find out what it was. It wasn't the mortgage. It wasn't the missus. It wasn't the kids. You know, <laughs> like oh, so. Oh, you know, in the end, I said, "Okay, Dad, what's that one thing in the world that matters?" And he said, "Son, the only thing that matters is opening your eyes in the morning." He said, "Because if you don't do that, nothing else matters." True. And true. And, and and the lesson there is, don't be too precious about life. He said because he said, "Son, you're here one day and you're gone the next, and you don't know why or for what reason." And he said, mm-hmm. and it happens to all of us. He said, inevitably it happens to all of us. He said, don't question it. Just accept the fact that that's life and that's part of life. And uh, mm-hmm. once you can accept that, life becomes much more fun. I well, like two, that. Yeah, and there's two more questions in chat, uh, Bob's, but then I want to get to Radio Man's too. Uh, uh, Bob says, do you get many UFO reports from Aborigines and do they have their own legends of ancient contact line uh, with the American Indians? That's what he's asking. As... Um, I can't comment a hell of a lot about uh, Aboriginal contact, uh, okay. to be honest. I've got to be honest about that. Um, but like every, um, like every culture worldwide, I- every culture worldwide has its, own, um, has its own stories, has its own beliefs, has its own um, tales, if you like, about, right. uh, about UFOs and UFO experience. I mean, look at the Dogon tribe in Africa. Um, these guys knew about Nibiru and Nemesis long before any astronomer on the planet ever did. You know, and they, I mean, they're amazing. Th- those guys are amazing. If you, if you want to know about Nibiru and Nemesis, there's another story in itself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that tribe, that, that, that lost tribe in, in Africa knew about this star system long before telescopes were built. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you go figure. You, you ask yourself the question. Do these people have contact with extraterrestrial beings or didn't they? You got the Busegi Mountains. That, well, I, 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 that's what I say to your, listen, your listeners. Um, B-U-C-E-G-I, Busegi Mountains, type it in your search engine. Have a look at it and see mm. what you find. Don't, don't believe what I'm telling you. Do your research. Right. When, they, when, when we're talking about, you know, uh, UFOs, you're talking about high strangeness and weird activity. And, you, and we've talked about, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you lived in a, a haunted house, you know, or, you know, yep. with entities or, you know, things that were happening. Uh, Radio Man's yep. question was, um, have you ever, like, in the home that you lived in or any place that was uh, paranormally active, did you ever experience any extreme temperature changes um, while, you know, while being in those areas? Did you ever notice some of the stuff that they talk about? about, you know, when you're, as far as investigating and such, uh, 
Has that ever happened to you? Like when you were in that home that you lived in? Oh, look, yeah, that's 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 easy, and that's that's um, that that's par for the course, really. That's if you if you're pretty much enlightened or aware, or, or you communicate with mm-hmm. entities. Um, the house that I grew up in, I lived in for sixteen years, right? Okay. Um, and as a kid, I didn't become what would you say aware mm-hmm. of uh, um, of of entities until I was probably. Four, probably four years of age. You know, you, when you when you grow up and you live there, um, there's something you don't know what it is. You, you know, you hear stuff, you you might see something, but you're not aware of it. And it's not you, not until you become about four when you become a thinking. You know, you become a thinking human being. You start to learn stuff and think stuff. You can't mm-hmm. start to remember stuff. You know, so for me it would have been about four or five that I I remember hearing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably about eight. I remember one experience seeing the lady at the top of the stairs. Um, there was um, that experience. I mean, there were so many people in my family that experienced entities. I got three sisters. Um, oh, sorry, two sisters. Um, I think I have one brother. My, both my mother and my father uh-huh. uh, experienced entities in this house. You know. All right. So, when, when you grow up in a house, I mean, from the time you born, I suppose, until mm-hmm. You, you, till you leave, until I joined the Navy, I joined the Navy. I left, went away and joined the, the Australian Navy, you see, until, uh, and that right. was when I was 16. So for my entire life, I lived in this house that had entities in it. So I didn't have any type of fear of entities, even though I was scared to live and crap out of me, so to speak. Um, <laughs> you know? uh, well, as a young kid, I remember at times I'd just I'd go to bed and I'd pull the covers over my head and I'd just lie in the bed and go, oh, you're, not, you're not here, you're not here, you're not here. You're not here, right. and, and right. you know, and but but I know that they were, and I had that feeling they were. Um, I remember once one story my mum told me when I was born, and I first come home. Um, she was in bed, and um, she saw a woman come through the bedroom door with a baby in her arms, and she thought it was uh, her stepdaughter, and thought it was with me in her, in my arms, bringing me in a, to her at night, you know, to put me into bed with her. So mum threw the bed covers back for the woman to put me, you know, to put me into the bed mm-hmm. and the woman just disappeared, walked back through the wall and disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, well, I mean, the part of this question too was, is what's the most intense situation you've been in like that? I mean, there hasn't been one that's been really like, like you said, you're kind of, you were kind of used to that stuff, but was there any time where you felt it was a little bit intense for you, you know? Well, um... As far well, I used to work at a place. I, I worked at a place called Port Arthur. I don't know whether you're you're aware of Port Arthur um, mm-hmm. here in Tasmania. Um, it was um, it's got two notorious reputations now. Firstly, it was the penal colony uh, for the British, and it's where they sent the worst of the worst. So we had the worst offenders in the early days of the penal colony when Australia was a penal colony. Uh, the worst of the worst were sent down here. And it was a, a really, really harsh, really, really harsh place. It was okay. some very solid, solid bush. You know, they worked with their hands. Um, they worked them like animals. Um, very harsh place. And a lot, of, a lot of stuff went on there. There's a lot of ghosts there now, right? It was a, it was a penal, it was a penal prison. That's what it was, a penal okay. colony. Anyway, there's a lot of ghosts there. But also, we had back in '96, we had Martin Bryant, um, the gunman who. Um, who shot 36 people down there. Um, it was the largest. He was in the Guinness Book of Records for a while. He's been the largest, you know, single shooter of people 
in the world. And uh, so it's, it's a very sad place, actually, and both my wife and I both work down there. And, and, and you, there's some places in Port Arthur, especially what they call the model prison. Uh, it was a, a little prison they'd set up where people were sent in, they, every prisoner was in solitary confinement. They were not allowed to talk. Uh, whenever they went outside the prison, they wore a hood. Um, uh, they weren't allowed to see any other prisoner. It was this, wow. they called it the model prison, it was this new reform of prison, you know. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty harsh place, and that's regarded as one of Australia's, you know, one of the world's probably most haunted place. It's, it's an amazing place. So um, mm. down there I felt some change in temperature in different places, and you can get a different feeling in a few different places there. But in the house I lived in, um, I, um, quite often you could feel a temperature change in a room when you walked into a room. You, you could just, you could... Um, a few years back in 2000, a bit after 2000, I was working for an advertising company and uh, the people that bought it had turned it into a B&B. And I went down there to do to have a, um, to talk to them doing some advertising, you know. Anyway, I went in there and I told them I used to live here and all that and, and they know that it was haunted and stuff like that and I told them some stories. And as I was about to leave, I got about oh, two foot away from the front door and went to reach for the front door and every hair on my body just stood up. And my whole arm went, my arm went cold. And I went, look at that. And she went, oh, my God, what's that? I said, well, because <laughs> they know I'm here and I don't want me to go. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just come back to say hello, you know. Um, I've got a number of stories from that, that old place. Like uh, Dad thought someone was pinching wood one night, went down with a twenty two rifle <laughs> and because uh, he thought someone was stealing wood, but it was, uh, it was just the, the old convict in the wheelbarrow. You know, there was, there was a con- there was the two that I three that I'm aware of. There was the, the young baby. There was the old woman and the convict in the wheelbarrow. Um, they were the three that I can recall. But there might have been another one poking its nose around there at some stage. I think. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it, it, it doesn't. I I've never had um, a, a frightening experience from an entity. Okay. Or, or, a, or a or a or a ghost, as you would say. I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've never had a. I've never had a, a terrifying experience or a demon like some people call demons. I've never, I, I, when I was a younger person, I did at some, at some stage have some seances and stuff like that. Um, but I've never ever experienced anything like a demon or anyone saying things in that respect. I mean, for me, my belief is a little bit different than that, you know. So. I can't hear you, Chuck. Chuck, your audio went bad. Can you hear me? Oh, no. Chucky's gone. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that was just, it was just Mr. Skype playing with me. All so right. what's this question now about, uh, can I, I don't even know if I can pronounce this correct, so you, I'm just going to mess this all up, but I'm going to try. Nib, Nibiru, Nibiru, is that what it Nibiru. is? Nibiru. Nibiru. Yeah. What, what, what is that? Because I don't even know what that is. So Nibiru. I'm not really sure. If the, uh, uh, a lot of, look, there's, once again, I'll say to people, don't, don't listen to what I'm saying. Listen, go and do your own research firstly. That's, that's the first thing I always say. Go and do your own research. But for the research I've done and what I can understand is this. Um, Nibiru is, is a, it's a, a small exoplanet, much like Ceres. It's a small planet mm-hmm. and it orbits a brown dwarf sun or brown dwarf star by the name of Nemesis, right? Now, uh, I, I need, if I've got probably five minutes, to t- I've got to go back. I've got to go back a little bit in the story to start it off. Sure, right? go ahead. The, yeah. um, yes, the, Sumer- the Sumerians and the, uh, the talk about the Anunnaki, and a lot of people might know about the Anunnaki, right, who were believed to be the gods. They come down from the stars. You know, they were the gods. And uh, it's, it's 
theorised, you know, Zachariah Sitchin amongst others and all other few other people theorised that the Anunnaki actually created the human race to mine anatomic gold for them or to mine gold for them uh, because the atmosphere on their planet, uh, Nibiru, was collapsing or whatever and they needed the anatomic gold or, or they needed the anatomic gold uh, to survive. Okay. Now, we know that anatomic gold is very good for even human beings. It's a good medication. You can, once again, research that, do your research. Okay. Now, the Anunnaki uh, came down and they come from this planet Nibiru, which comes okay. around the brown dial star Nemesis. Now, this is its own solar system. It's a small solar system and it's a binary system. It's part of a binary system with our sun. This is what people, this is, this is the theory behind it. And it comes uh, around our sun every 3,600 years. So every 3,600 years, this mini solar system containing a brown dwarf star uh, nemesis and this, this the theory there's anywhere between five and seven planets that orbit this brown dwarf star, right? And one of these is Nibiru, okay? Now, the theory is once again that to study Nibiru, you, you have to look for nemesis. Now, nemesis being a brown dwarf star, they can't see through an optical telescope. They can't see them because they're dark. They're looking for a black hole against the black of space. Mm -hmm. So you can understand what they're up against there. So what, uh, what the American people have done, they've built a, uh, a large telescope at the South Pole called the South Pole Telescope. Now, some of you may or may not be aware of that, uh, but uh, they've built this huge, huge array down there. And the thing about it is that it's not an optical telescope. So you, you, you don't look through it like you look through your normal telescope in the backyard. You don't look through this one. This one is um, uh, it's uh, blue, it's uh, infrared and microwave. Okay. And the reason it's in the the reason it's in the infrared and the microwave is because that's the only way you can detect a brown dwarf star. Hmm. You can only detect it by its heat signature. Really, that's interesting. Right? So you, you need you need to detect them by the heat signature, right? Now there are a lot of people. I can I can go right back. This is one of my one of my pet loves is Nibiru and Nemesis. You, uh, Dr. Robert Harrington used to be the head of the uh, U.S. Naval Observatory. Um, he studied uh, and went to New Zealand to the uh, Black Birch Observatory in New Zealand to study Nibiru. And he had footage that he'd shipped back to Washington. Was going back to explain and wanted to check and make sure that the only place he could check this footage. He, he inexplicably died of um, esophageal cancer and those, those plates and documents that he sent back to Washington just disappeared. are in the ether. They're in the ether. You know what I mean? Interesting. Uh, now, um, this, this, this goes back in 1983, I think it was 83, 84, it was the New York Times or one of the papers there. They, they did a story on this. They did a story on Nibiru and said, yes, we've discovered this new planet that it's coming in, and it is coming in. That's what they believe. Now, the Earth's in the middle of a pole shift at the moment. We're going through a pole shift, if you know anything about this. I mean, this, is, this study has led me to study a lot of things. So we're going through a pole shift where, for instance, the, the, basically what happens is if your compass, it won't point north, it'll point south. That's what a pole shift is. Now, but in the, what happens with that pole shift, there's a lot of a... A lot of speculation of what could happen within a pole shift, you know. It, some people are speculating it could cause a lot of um, uh, tectonic movement, a lot of ge geological movement, which will lead to tsunamis. We know that it will cause a deprivation of the protection of the layer of the Earth because uh, the magnetic uh, the magnetic layers, um, they... Uh, uh, they protect the Earth from radiation, shield the Earth from radiation. So when we lose when we lose the magnetic sphere, we lose part of our radiation uh, shield. 
So there's a, there's a real lot of stuff going on at the moment. And then, and then all of a sudden in September, we had a lot of people talking. You would have heard a lot about speculation in September, how a lot's going to happen with the Jewish Shemitah cycle, uh, all these things going on. A lot of, a lot of people saying a lot of stuff. You know? There's a lot of chatter on the internet about um, conspiracy theory stuff and what's going to happen in September. Well, September's been and gone and we know that. And we know that the 2.3 or 2.4 kilometre wide uh, asteroid that people were talking about has been and gone. We know that. But by the same token, there are asteroids that pass very close to Earth that NASA doesn't tell us about. And the only the other day I put up a post to tell people that uh, out of a list of 80, uh, out, out, of, out of a list of 90 uh, objects on NASA's near Earth object site, 30 of those were only discovered this year. So we've got an influx of meteors and meteorites coming in towards the planet at the moment. And people are speculating this could be from the push from Nemesis and uh, it's, it's it, uh, planet Nibiru coming from outside the planet because it, we're in that 3,600-year cycle. Now, a lot, there's been a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of research done by a lot of people. And once again, I, I urge people to go and do your own research and have a look. Uh, there's a guy I know on the internet, Lance. Holy Lance, how you going? Hope you're listening. Um, does a lot of research on Nibiru and Nemesis. And the science is there. There's a lot of science that's there. And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, what, what are the chemtrails for? You, you guys know about chemtrails. It's in your country. You probably see them all the time. I don't see them here where I am because we're too small a population. No one's going to believe anyone from the Antipodes anyway. We're just all down the south here. Who cares? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, like, so it, it really don't matter that much, you know, but, but what are they doing? We, we know that they are laying something in the atmosphere and there's a reason for it. There, there's mm-hmm. something they don't want you to see. Or there's something they're trying to do. They're trying to manipulate the weather. Is it HARP? You've heard, probably heard of HARP, the high altitude radio. Is it that? I mean, there's so much happening in, in the chatter around the world, in the par- not just in the paranormal, it's also the paranormal world as well. A lot of paranormal chatter, how people are saying we're coming up to this phase of, of knowing. We're coming up to this phase of understanding. You know, there's, there's a new world. It's like, like, it's like the Aquarius age is just starting to kick in type of thing, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yep. A lot of people are, are coming up to that now. Uh, but the issue is, once again, and I go back to the fact, you and I are all sitting here talking over a computer. Now, we can do that now so we can share information. And that's, that's the critical factor. People are sharing information. Right, and the information right. starting to get out there. We know that there are governments, for whatever reason, and I'm not trying to. I'm not. Hey, don't get me wrong. I don't want to get a jail guy. <laughs> you know, uh, but um, we know that there are governments out there that that um, manipulate the internet. You know, they they restrict it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's their own business, their own countries. As they do what they like in their own countries, it's their business. You know, mm-hmm. but we know that things get done like that. But we also know that people are smart enough to be able to find ways to circumvent things. Right. You know, and there is stuff that gets around. I mean, there is stuff that you don't hear on the mainstream media that you only hear here on the internet. Like, um, I don't want to get political in, in anything, you know. But you, I mean, is Putin doing all right in, in, in Syria? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, right. you, I'm not hearing about all my news here. I don't know whether you guys hear about it on your news there, but I see a hell of a lot about it on the internet. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah, it's like it's like with the governments. You know, you talk about oh, governments are trying to keep things from us, so we don't for whatever possible whatever reason it is that they're trying to keep us. But it's like, well, it's with, for our own good, Chuck. Yeah, right, whatever. But you oh, know, yeah. but you know, with everything that's, <laughs> but like when you were talking about the elect the electronic age and media and all this stuff, it's really hard to keep things from people now. You know, I mean, there is ways around everything now, and if people want to get it out there, they're going to get it out there, and you're not going to stop them. You know what I mean? You hush one, there's there's a thousand 
anymore that are going to speak up, you know? So uh, I don't understand why they would even be trying to do that anymore, you know? Well, I, I don't know either, you know, but um, it, it's, look, for, for me in, in where I am and what I do, right, um, uh, my experience or, or my appreciation for the cosmos, the stars, and and all that comes from being, once again, being a kid. Being in a spiritual house, and I knew it was a spiritual house. I took myself through church. I put myself through church. My parents uh, didn't do that. They didn't force me to do that. But mm-hmm. I, I took myself through Sunday school and I learned the Gospels and did all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, because I wanted to learn. And, and my dad said to me, son, you can't criticise something you know nothing about, you know. And I thought, well, hang on. If I'm going to know, if I'm going to be able to talk about this, I need to know about this. And that's sure. what I say about everything. You can't criticise something you don't know about and and you've got to be fair to people. If they don't know something, it's not because they're stupid, it's just because they don't know. You know, they right. just don't know. You know? Mm-hmm. People aren't stupid. Not everyone's stupid, they just don't know. And you, mm-hmm. you can't blame people for not knowing. And that's a fair call for everyone, you know. So at the end of the day, I, I, just, I took myself through church. Um, I found out that I learned what I needed to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And then started to make my way through life, you know. Right. I joined the navy. Uh, I have I have my beliefs. That's another story. I have my beliefs and, and, and tales and things like that. Um, and, and they lead me into a certain path in life, you know, mm-hmm. as to where I am and and how I got to be in the position I'm in now. Like how did how did uh, how did this guy down there in Tasmania how do I even get to become talking to you guys in the middle of America, you know, for instance? <laughs> well, Jeff's the only one who's in the middle of America. The rest of us are sort of on the edges. <sighs> on the periphery. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go, go with the flyover he's, he's, he's in what we call the flyover states. So I, you're, you're, I'm near Chicago. Call yeah. I, I'd call you the jam in the sandwich, but to you guys, that's the, that's the jelly in the sandwich. Oh, I like oh, that. I, yeah. I, make, I make jam, so I'm, I'm down with the jam <laughs> reference. Yeah, it's jam. Mate. Jelly, jelly is the stuff you mix with water and you set in the fridge. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, oh, yep. gelatin. <laughs> yeah. I am the jam in your sandwich, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, so, just, um, just don't so, butter the bread for him. Let him go dry. That's <laughs> right. So you mentioned that you read cards. Yeah, I, yeah, I do, actually. I don't advertise that, but... Um, yeah, I do read cards. So tell um, me about that. Um, it's part of my. It's just part of my spiritual side. I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. Uh-huh. Um, I have been for a long time. Like I said, I put myself through church. I taught myself what I needed to know. I've read what I needed. I listened to my dad and what he taught me. You know, and we're all individuals. Like you, as you'll find out in the glass golf ball, Chuck. Yes. That's, that's, that's what the glass golf ball is all about. Yeah, yeah. I had I had to read that because you, you have to understand that you're talking to two psychics right here, right now. So yeah. yes, so we're we're yeah. very so spiritual. Yes. We're both spiritual um, people too, so you're in good company. It's all good, Bob. I'm on the same bus. Hey, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that that's what I say to people too. Look about life. We're all on the same bus. We just get on and off yeah. at different stops. You know, right. and that's yeah. what life's about too. You know. And and, um, and whether you talk to people on the bus during your trip or not, that's entirely up to you. You mm-hmm. know, you make that choice. You know, but anyway, getting back to where we were, which was 
Well, we were talking about, uh, well, we actually we strayed off into the paranormal area. But so, all right, so I want to ask this question, though. Okay, so we talked about um, UFOs and you were interested in the mechanics of it all. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, the propulsion about, systems. Yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about extra, extraterrestrials. Let's talk about aliens. Let's talk about other yeah. life forms besides yeah. our own. What's your belief well, on this? Well, uh, let's talk about um, the fact that we can, uh, where are we? Um, I've done something to my Skype. You can still hear me all right, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. Oh, cool. Yeah, just change the picture. It's all gone, how do you do? But oh, I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> uh, the propulsion systems. I bought a book by, um, uh, what was the guy? I went on a cruise last year. And I read this book on different propulsion systems about uh, guys from America. I got, I got the book sent over from is Amazon. It Stan- is it Stanton Friedman? No, not Stanton Friedman. Uh, the doctor, Professor... I uh, can't remember his name, uh, Italian-sounding name. But anyway, uh, really good book, really, really good book. But there's a couple of things I found out in relation to that, in, in, um, uh, and that patches in with Bob Lazar as well, a bit further down the page, you know. But uh, there's a bloke called Brown, um, and, and these guys, they invented, um, invented propulsion systems. There's a guy... Um, off the top of my head, I forgot to write his name down because I tend to forget those things if I don't write them down. That's why I've got a big list in front of me. Uh, but he invented uh, uh, invent the Searle. John Searle was his name. That was his name, John Searle. He invented the Searle effect generator. Now, John Searle invented a propulsion system for a flying disc, right? And when he first made it, he took it outside to see if it would fly. He let it go and it took off in the air and never came back. I mean, zoom, straight in the air and gone. Right? Okay. So he, he made one of these things. Then he learned. Then that. Then he. Then he made a system to be able to control it. He was electrical engineer, an English electrical engineer, that worked for an electrical company, right? Okay. In, I think it was in 1957. He did a test run on a uh, on a Searle flying disc, and he only powered it up enough to keep it levitated off the ground enough, right? So he, he didn't put it at full pace. It was only, you reckon it was only about 1% or something ridiculous like that. But it did 100 mile in three minutes and was tracked by the RAF radar because he was doing these tests for the RAF in England and it was tracked by the RAF radar, right? Okay. Anyway, um, at, it, it turns out that they liked the stuff that much that they uh, shut him down and classified it. They classified it and shut him down. Hmm. Right, so you find that all the good stuff that people do invent, governments get hold of and they shut down. It was like the like the um, uh, that uh, car engine the bloke invented. Ford bought it for some ridiculous price, and never put it in practice, mm-hmm. never used it. They just shut it down, right? Because because they don't want it to interfere with their plans and the way things are going, right? In the in the big corporate scheme of things, da, 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 conspiracy theory here, da 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 da, right? <laughs> Scheme of things, uh, it's not what they want, you know. So, sure. um, the technology's there. I mean, I, I'm a big advocate. Um, I, I'm not trying to push this by any, cha- by any reason, but and I've never had any contact with this guy. And I want to state that straight away. But there's a bloke by the name of Stephen Lawrence that wrote a book that most of you are familiar with. Um, now, I don't say he wrote the book. To me, he put together a collection of documents, and it's called uh, An Alien Interview by Stephen Lawrence, right? And it was a story of Matilda uh, O'Donnell McElroy. And she was a young, young nurse at Roswell um, uh, when they had the, uh, the two craft crashed down there. One crashed at Roswell, one crashed at Corona, right? There was, a lot of people forget that there was two craft that crashed there. 
But she was the nurse that was put in charge of looking after the only living extraterrestrial. There was apparently five bodies, four of them deceased and one living. Now mm -hmm. she, uh, and, and the extraterrestrial would communicate telepathically, right? Um, but it wouldn't communicate with any of the soldiers or the generals or anyone like that. It would only communicate with her, okay, for some reason. Maybe because she showed empathy, maybe it was because of her job as a nurse, I don't know why. Um, but the uh, EBE, which they entitled, they called extraterrestrial biological entity, the EBE would only contact with her, okay? So after they realised this, what they did then was they would write a series of questions and every day she would have to go and sit with the EBE and ask it the questions and it would give the answers and she would have to write the answers down. They would then be taken and given to a stenographer who would transcribe that and pass it on to the generals, okay, uh, for them to be able to read the answers to their questions, okay? So, and that's why it's called Alien Interview. And this went on for so many days. She did this for so many days. And how she got this EBE to be able to communicate or, or to be able to understand English. And uh, once she'd done that, she then turned around and said, well, I'll, I'll now teach you the history of your planet and these things. And the most impelling part about that book, now, it, it's only, it's about 330 pages long, I think, something like that. And out of those 330 pages, 180 of those pages, I think it is, is the actual documents. The rest is footnotes, right? So you got about wow. 150 pages of footnotes. So there's not a lot of reading in it and when you come to think about it. But for me, the most telling part was the letter at the front that the woman wrote. Now, you remember I spoke to you before about some of your whistleblowers, how they're dying off, they're, they're, you know, they want to clear their consciences. Well, this is a classic case of what I, hap I believe what's happened here. Matilda O'Donnell McElroy was the nurse at Roswell. She was in charge of looking after and communicating with the EBE. The, the only failure that, they, that, the, that the military had was when the stenographer finished typing the notes, she took the type notes to the general, but she gave the handwritten notes back to Matilda. So Matilda kept all the handwritten notes, right? Kept all the handwritten notes and squirreled them away. Even though she was constantly being watched and followed by guards, she managed to keep all her own handwritten notes from the interviews. And this is what they are. And this is her getting this information off her chest once again, another whistleblower. And the right. really strange part about this, and the reason this book resonates with me so much, right, is because she mentions in 1947, she mentions the Anunnaki. Now, the only other reference I have to the Anunnaki is through Zachariah Sitchin's books. And they come out in the late 60s, early 70s, right? So you're looking at 15 years later. Right. Before, before you get any mention of the Anunnaki and from a completely different source. So mm. these, these documents tie in with what Zachariah Sitchin is saying. Now, whether Zachariah Sitchin actually read this book and had, had any, uh, any idea, but I don't think so. Because uh, this woman eventually died in, uh, in Ireland and she sent all these documents uh, to this bloke, Stephen R. Lawrence. He's a, apparently, once again, I don't know the guy, I, I believe he's a science fiction writer and she wanted him to write a science fiction book. But instead of writing science fiction, he thought that the truth should be told, basically, and published it as, as a set of, it, it's called a book, but to me it looks more like a set of documents. And Interesting. You, you, can down, you can download it off the net from the New Earth Org, I think it's called New Earth Org, 
new earth.org. Um, uh, just once again, the internet is such an amazing thing. Type in your, in your search engine, Alien Interview, Stephen R. Lawrence. And Actually, it's it's Lawrence Spencer. I just searched yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, Lawrence R. Spencer. You Lawrence you had R. it. Spencer. You were backward. That's right. Yeah, Lawrence R. Spencer. That's him. I'm thinking yep. of Steve. I'm thinking of Stephen Donaldson. Uh, the, <laughs> the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, the Unbeliever. They're an amazing set of books. I don't know if anyone knows about them, but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Well, this looks fascinating. I'll have to check that one out. So, um, Rob, it's been really interesting talking to you, but we're actually at the point of the show where we we allow you to shamelessly self-promote now. So how can people uh, join your network, um, get a hold of you, that type of thing? Oh, look, um, once again, we're, we're probably, at, at this point in time, we're Facebook-based. So just jump onto Facebook, look for Tufon. Um, what I urge people to do is join our main group, join the main Tufon group, the parent group, and also join your, your regional group. Look, there's Dougie's turn around to say good day again. Hi, Dougie. Uh, <laughs> uh, join, um, join your regional, join your main group, and also join the regional group uh, because eventually I'm hoping that people will see the value in this and it can grow. And wh- when you have um, groups in certain areas, I mean, I've got guys that are admins from different countries that do the admin work for me because um, we're on different time frames, you know, so everyone's uh, posts get put up relatively quickly, you know, think little things like that. You pay attention to detail, makes people happy, you see. Uh, so jump on Facebook, join the main Tufon group, just have a look for that. Um, go and join your main, whether in Europe or you're in uh, America or Canada, uh, wherever you are around the world, there's a, um, there's a Tufon group that you can join and look into. All we ask is that, um, please just be real, and, and because that's what we are, we're real and fair income. Um, we, we don't like posts that are fake. Um, I've put up posts before that you think are real and fake and they turn out they are fake. Uh, sometimes that's okay, but you know, if you write a note and say to people, look, this is how you can get sucked in, don't believe everything you do see on the internet, you know, because there is phony stuff out there, but but there is a lot of real stuff out there too. But I urge everyone to, um, to start looking up, you know, stop looking down. You know, most people, they walk around these days and... Uh, and they've they got their heads to the ground or they've got them stuck in their, uh, their smartphone. You see them walking along the street, everyone's texting away or, or looking away. You know, just do yourself a favour. Put the phone away in your pocket just for a minute. Become a human being again. Uh, look up. Look up and see that you've got a beautiful sky up there and there is a bunch of stuff that's happening up there that you don't realise. You, know? um, you do have that little camera with you now, so keep it handy. If you do have anything, send it in to us at Tufon. Just, I mean, and that's what we like to do. We like to critique stuff. We like to look at it. To me, I'll always be the sceptic. I'll always be pretty sceptical too. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe mm-hmm. in everything I see. I'll always, I, I want to get to the nuts and bolts of it, the evidence of it. I want to know how it flies. I want to know how many, how many it's suited for. I want to know how long it's going to take me to get to LA in it. Right? I, I, all these funny things, you know. So it, it's all good. Um, but just... It, it's all about being real. Um, there is a change in the world now. There is a huge shift in people's thinking in the world now. People are becoming enlightened. They are becoming aware, and people are starting to believe. Right. And, and, I mean, there's a couple of things I could say here just off the top of my head for you guys. Um, Travis Walton, Roswell, Phoenix Lights, the Battle of LA, 1942, Bob Lazar, just those couple of things. You, you just go and look at those few things, and you say to yourself, well, hang on. These people aren't telling, they're not telling pork pies, not telling lies. You know, these are real people telling real truths, you know, and, uh, right. and just being real and honest. So get your head out of the clouds, have a look, 
get your, get your stuff, get your pictures, get your stuff on the two phone. I want to hear your stories. We want to hear those experiences. Um, there are people out there in the world, it, you might be listening to think, oh, you know, people, I, I can't say anything to anyone because people think I'm a loony, you know. They think, oh, I'm a bit crazy because I believe in that stuff. Well, let me tell you, you're in a group with a lot of crazies. Let me tell you if that's the case because oh, yeah. there are a lot of people worldwide there are a lot of people worldwide that, that believe this and they believe it for a lot of reasons. It's because right. they have evidence, either they've got the hardcore evidence or they've experienced it. I've had an experience. I've had an, an alien experience. I, you know, that's why I'm very passionate about, about what I do. You know, and until you have that kind of experience, you don't know and you don't believe. Until you've tasted chocolate ice cream, you don't know what it tastes like. <sighs> yeah, you know what I mean? it's... I, I so, do. So, so, Rob, it's been really interesting um, talking to you, and I actually just joined Tufan, so I'm excited to learn more about it. You've been really fun to talk to, and um, thank you for you and Douglas coming on the show tonight. Look, he's, uh, he's gone to sleep on the back of the cat. I know. We're so boring, Douglas. No, he's just a six, old 16-year-old cat. Look, hey, anytime you guys want to chat again, just give me a, uh, give me a call. Okay. We're always here. Yeah, we're always up for a bit of a chat, Douglas and I, although he doesn't have a lot to say at the moment. All right. Yeah. All right, all the best to you. Well, well, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Oh, Thanks, Rob. Have a great weekend and all the best. Yeah, Take care. Right. Thank Good you. night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Okay, Thanks. there he goes. Um, well, there I was going to say, there they go, Rob knew it, and Douglas, the 16-year-old cat. So, um, Cheryl, next week we have Katie Montana, right? That is correct. We have Katie Montana Jordan. She is an investigator with two groups. One is called Oregon Paranormal. That's out by you, Karen, on the West Coast. And yep. the other is Paranormal Research and Investigations. Yes, with Michael White. Michael White, right. So yep. she um, also, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting what her specialty, her, uh, her research. She's the occult is. specialist. Thank you, an occult specialist. So that's perfect for Halloween. Um, so that should be a, a fun show. So that is, let's see, the date is October 22nd for that interview. So uh, check us out um, on that date. And then uh, the week after, which is our Halloween show, it's the 29th, is um, magic and lore expert Winter Balefire, who is a columnist for Paranormal Underground magazine. Ah, yes. A little magazine that you've never heard of. Yes. And what, what will we be talking to her about? Magic, Magic and, lore. and lore. Magic and lore. Like King Arthur and all that kind of stuff? Well, if you Merlin? Any, let me know because I want to get her any potential magic and lore topics that you specifically want to know about. Okay. So give me, give me right. an email on that. I oh. know nothing about either. So <laughs> I want to know all about Merlin because I just heard that they actually might have really uncovered King Arthur's round table. I just saw that in the news. So yeah. is like, is like um, Dracula, is that considered lore? Yes. Well, yeah, Legends and Lore, yeah. That would yes, be, yeah. Mm -hmm. There you oh, go. see, I know more about lore than I thought. <laughs> there you go. Don't sell yourself short. Man. You're a lore specialist. That's what well, you are. I, that's right. I'm an expert. Mm -hmm. Bring it mm -hmm. on. So well, we're going to have to have to come up with some topics. I, I like the magic part, um, but, you know, I, I have to think on the lore part, you know, because, I mean, I know a lot about Dracula, so... Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to think of something. We'll come up with so something. So are we, are we dressing up for our Halloween show so that we can what? all look at each other in silly costumes? 
<laughs> I was going to say, who's going to see us? And she was like, we're going yeah. to see each other. <laughs> I, have a, I have a Halloween costume. You do? Wow. Well, yeah, because I have to work at that kids' party with 500 kids the night before. The, <laughs> I like the way you said Yeah, because I got to work at that kids' party. Well, that's because there's 500 of them. That's 500 screaming children. Like, You're oh, going to be crazy. 500 sugared up, excited mm-hmm. children in Halloween so, costumes. So what are you Ooh. dressing up as? What are you going to be? I'm a cowgirl. Howdy, I'm howdy. Cow, howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm, I'm a cowgirl. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's good. Right. Oh, my God. That's a lot of children, man. 500. I couldn't even imagine that. I mean, two, My two grandkids, I love them to death, but they drive me insane. I couldn't I was handle like. I might just try being drunk the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. They'll be like, woohoo. They'll be like, we like that cowgirl. She's so funny. Karen's like, she smells, she, she smells funny. <laughs> <laughs> that cowgirl, she smells like grandpa. Yeah, she, whoa. <laughs> she smells like grandpa because grandpa's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Except that she doesn't hit me. Oh, sorry. Whoa! I'm sorry. Not a joke. Cut cut the mic on her. Cut the mic on her right now. I'm very, Um, very, very tired. That's okay. It's all right. So are you feeling better? I know you were getting a little queasy there during the show. I'm a little queasy. I'm not sure exactly why. I'm just feeling a little, probably because I'm really tired. Sometimes when I get really tired, I get like a stomach ache. Mm -hmm. I start to feel a little wonky. So, yeah, I just got up a little too early this morning because of things going bump in the night. I know how it is. I'm wonky. You know, we were talking about I got to get six hours in at least. Six hours, I'm good. I can't go longer. I can't go shorter. It's just that weird, like, perfect amount of time, six hours. So there you go. Otherwise, I kind of get, oh, I just want to do that. But I don't really do that. I just feel like I want to do that. So, but, yeah, that's okay. And I don't know what the heck. What, I said to talk. He's like, I can't hear you. And I'm like. Yeah, you. we could I, see you. Your lips were moving, but nothing was, like, was coming out. What the hell? I didn't touch anything. I'm looking at the mic. No, it's on. And all of a sudden, Skype boink. hates us tonight. We just did not have a good Skype night. Every once in a while, Skype gets the better of us, and tonight it did. And I never. plan to leave a strongly worded feedback on the survey. Well, you never know. It could have been the hackers that, you know, Rob was talking about. They were hacking. Well, the hackers... They could be because, you know, after all, our little radio show is so dangerous. Well, that guy had a he has a wealth of knowledge on stuff, I'm telling you. Uh, he knows some stuff, man. Holy poop. You, you say, well, what about this? He's like, yeah. And then he just goes in this really long, like, oh, my God, he really knows a lot of stuff. That's pretty cool. I liked, uh, I liked his... Um, the you know like even though he was into mechanics of things, I found it interesting he was into the spiritual stuff and yeah, the, well, and I think that's I think that's okay to be both of those things. Oh, so hey, so last um, you know I told you that Jim had his first paranormal experience, like back in July, right? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay, and I think I've talked about it on the air too, even though Cheryl's looking at me like she's never heard that before, but he did. Um, and so then he had his next, his second paranormal experience the next day up at Wellington. Mm. And then when we went to the, um, the Klondike in St. Helens, Oregon last Friday, mm-hmm. he was getting touched right and left, but it, it's a former brothel. And so I think they recognized a sailor, if you know what I'm saying. They were stroking his hair and stroking up his back. And I mean, he's just like uh, having all these experiences now. It's really, and it's it's really because he's always very logical, you know, hence the techie McScience geek thing. And so for to see him opening up to these things and being like, 
Oh, and he, we were, when we were driving Saturday over to the football game in central Washington, he looked at me and he said, I think I understand you now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, finally. Oh, thank God. Thank you, universe. About time. Yeah. I love later. when people, I love when people all of a sudden they just get it, you know, and it's yeah. like, really, this is what it's all about. It's like, yeah. What do you think we have a passion for this for? What do you think it's so yeah. uh, interesting yeah. and unique? And he was. He was so fun to watch because he was going off into rooms by himself and sitting with his eyes closed. And it was like, mm-hmm. dude, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're digging this. It was great. I was really happy to see it. Well, so. is, is Oregon, Oregon's pretty haunted, isn't it out there? There's lots of haunted spots. Well, there's lots of haunted places out here. I write about them. I know. That's what I'll I'm take say. you. I'll take you. It'll be good. <laughs> I'll take you. There, isn't like, that's a mining community too, isn't it? Like mining Oregon. St. Helens. Uh, well, yeah. there there is mining. Yeah, that's where they filmed Ghost Mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's mostly in the mountains, <gasps> like in eastern Oregon. Oh, okay. I got excited there. That's where they filmed No, this. that's like five hours away. That's a long drive. And it's a, an elevation of over 4,000 feet. Oh, God. I'd probably throw up and wouldn't be able to breathe. And that's okay. uh, I don't know. I'm, but you know what? I just looked at the clock and guess what time it is. Already? It is? I know. It's time to sign off. Fine. All right. All right. All right. So, Cheryl, was there anything else you needed to say before we sign off? Any? No, she's shaking her head. Nothing. 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 All right. Not much business tonight. So, I'm okay with that. All right. So, thank you, everybody. Thanks to our guest, Rob. He was really fun. And to Douglas the cat, who eventually deigned to turn around and look at us, at least. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That was nice. It was nice seeing Douglas, the 16 year old cat, and talking to Rob. So, um, come back next week when we're talking to my friend Katie Montana who you will love because I love her and she's great and um, thank you everybody to listening for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR we'll be back next week 6pm Pacific 9pm Eastern and other times in Illinois and the flyover states (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah I know so thank you everybody and have a good evening good evening if you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.